Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Kids growing up, people going, God's moving. And uh, this morning I just want to encourage us to have an open heart. <clears throat> I just watched through the week on, um, on YouTube. Well, I didn't get on YouTube because, you know, it's um, a little challenging for me uh, to find it there. But I noticed that Andy had it. Others had it. Revival's breaking out across churches around the world. And um, please keep open to what God's doing and what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives and in the church. Because uh, we're in the edge. We're in the same presence here. Don't think, oh, that's over there. God is here. God is in our midst. God is working for us. God is working in us and through us in a mighty way. And I want to encourage you in that this morning. Well, I'm, um, I'm just going to start to preach this morning. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, if you've got your phone, if you don't have anything, listen to me. That'd be great. The Word of God simply says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was, clear, was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Good question. Did you receive the Spirit <clears throat> by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Anyone can answer me? That was quietly said. Hearing of faith. <laughs> and obviously you think I'm going to speak on faith, which you're probably right. <laughs> So it says in verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Um, And then we go down to verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Second question, same question. Just as Abraham believed God and was accounted to him, for righteousness, therefore, know that only those who have faith are the sons of Abraham. Credible statement here. And then it says this, and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles. How many Gentiles are in here? Give me a wave here, Gentile. Yeah, most of us are Gentiles. Any Jews here? Jew down the back. That's good to be a Jew. Excellent. I'm a Gentile, unfortunately. I was a Gentile, but now I'm now I'm being grafted in. Amen. And we're one. We're one. How awesome is that? And the Bible says here, God gave this to Abraham, and he preached this 3,000 years before Jesus fulfilled it. Powerful scriptures. And for us who are Gentiles have come out of a Gentile background, we think, oh, yeah, big deal. But to the Galatians, and a lot of these were Jewish people, Paul's writing to the church and saying, it's so easy for you to slip back into the old. But you see, for God to move, we've got to be prepared to keep moving by faith. Not back under just the pretense of the law, but in faith. And then it goes on to say this, that in verse verse. Eight. And Abraham before hand saying, 
In you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Isn't that phenomenal? He's a Jew. God's looking to in, invade the earth for his glory. And he speaks to a man for 3,000, five years, 1,000 years ago now, uh, and says in his believing or how he walked, it would Im impact the entire world. Impacted. And I love this scripture. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing. I know this is a bit funny for us because we'd say Jesus, but believing Abraham. The blessing of Abraham, the blessing that God gives, the promise to Abraham is not just to the Jews, it is to the church. It's to us who believe. And I've noticed, and I, I want to speak a little bit on this journey. Who knows that it's easy to start? I'm a pretty enthusiastic starter. I, I'm usually fairly enthusiastic all my life about starting. But um, I would be known not to be a great finisher. I start buildings, and then I need my brother to come behind and finish them off. He's a good finisher. On the farm, I'd start fences, and I needed my dad to come behind and finish them. I always started. I love starting things. I love starting businesses. But I needed Trish to help me to finish. I like starting churches. <laughs> all my life I was starting churches. Started churches all over New South Wales. Started churches in Egypt. Started churches in Syria. Started churches in South America. Started churches. But I am praise God for pastors and people that said, I'll finish this for you. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the journey of Christianity is not just starting. We've got to finish well. And Abraham had a visitation from God. God comes and visits him and, 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 you know, and God speaks to him. And what he says is impossible. And mostly what God says to us, to our thinking, is impossible. And so the journey, the journey is so important, the journey of life. And I don't know with you, but... Uh, Sometimes these maps don't always take you where you want. Is that right? Now, I'm a person who just puts on the maps and takes off. I remember one time I was going up to sunny coast and I was somewhere up, up in the bush somewhere there. I was taking a trailer up there, a powder room trailer for, for Jack. And I just put in my maps and was going along and it said, turn up this place here, which was along towards the zoo, what do you call it? Um, yeah, along that way. And... <laughs> And I thought, that's strange. That's strange. So I didn't stop and have a look. I just did what David McDonald usually does, kept driving, and then started to abuse the phone because I thought, this. And this lady's telling me to go here. And I said, gee, you can't trust some people anywhere, can you? Like, and she's not answering. She's just talking on. You know, and went on. And then the next thing I come back out onto the highway, Calandra. And I was so annoyed. I wanted to get that phone and throw it in the wood. And I was just annoying you know and sometime in life we're like that we don't we don't plan our life to succeed but the Christian life is not about failure the Christian life is about succeeding I didn't get a big amen on that <laughs> the Bible says we are more than through Jesus Christ the Bible says we are overcomers if you're going to overcome, that means the journey is going to have some mountainous, impossible pathways. <laughs> and, and somewhere 
in our human nature, we often want to say, well, I'm going to have to push through this. When Jesus says, I want to walk with you. I'm the one that does the impossible because I'm the one that calls you. And this is what, this is what Jesus said to the man that had the, the son that was vexed with demons. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. Twice he said it. And so we, we find this amazing story of Abraham. Uh, Abraham was the ninth generation from Noah through Shem. And in the story of Noah, we find firstly, God speaks about grace. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And when we think about this great redemption story of Abraham, then God comes again. I used to, when I was younger, before I'd done enough Bible study, and thought, how, how did Abraham get to know God's voice? But I realized down through the genealogies, even though there was idolatry and stuff got in there, somehow the message has come, and Abraham's heart turns towards God. And so God comes and begins to speak to him, speaks to him up in Haran, and says, get out of that city, out of that nation, and I want you to come down to the promise that I've got for you, a promised land, a promise to come down there, the journey. Uh, and, you know, God often speaks, but for us to do the journey. I find when God speaks, we can get excited about, oh, God wants to do that. God wants to start a church. God wants to do something. God wants to do something in church. And we're waiting for God to do it. He's waiting <laughs> so we got two people waiting, God, the Almighty, God, the Father of all, God, the creator of the world. And here's little me waiting. What are you going to do, God? And I find the journey, the journey to walk with God. And I want to speak a little bit to you this morning on the journey of walking with God. As we look at this life of Abraham, this amazing life, phenomenal life, he gets up and leaves his father and not that he left his father in a, in a wrong attitude, but he left his inheritance. And in, in those days, even was probably a greater importance than even today because the inheritance was the property, the lifestyle, the livelihood. He leaves that and follows. And in Hebrews it says, he's looking for a city whose founder and builder is God. There's such a passion in him. There's such a fire inside of me. I need what God wants, and I want what God wants in my life. And God says, I'm going to bless you, and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham does what we would expect in obedience, following the voice of God. But the problem, there's a slight problem. Abraham's married, and so is his brother married. He's having kids. But Abraham's wife, Sarah, can't have children. Slight problem. In my understanding, if you're going to be a, a founder of a great nation, there's got to be more people. And so Abraham finds himself <laughs> with a promise. God opens up doors for him. We find that Abraham begins to prosper. He's got cattle. He's got all that. So the wealth side's working, but there's always another side, amen? 
and find in life, this is life's journey. There could be something working for you. It might be that family's working, kids work, but the financial side's not working so much. Or it could be the financial side's great, but over here, there's family's not too bad, but the relationships with the next door neighbor, they're just deaf. And so there's always on this journey, there's the challenges, the challenges, the challenges to get through, that come through. And, you know, often people grow weary, weary in well-doing because that's too impossible. Why did God ask me to do that? Why? I mean, in natural thinking, why would God ask Abraham to be the father of a great nation when his wife can't even have a baby? (laughs) Why would he ask you to do something, you go, well, God, that's just, I'm, I'm too fearful to do that. You know, I couldn't do that. Uh, I couldn't do that. And you, most would laugh if I say this, but until the age of 17, when I was at a camp and God touched me, even though I didn't follow that touch, I stuttered. I stuttered. If I got up to speak, I would stutter. I stuttered, always stuttered, um, struggled. And so I covered it up by, you know, doing what, what aggressive people do when the stutters, so they'd ask me to read, I wouldn't read. I'd just say, no, somebody else can read that. Just in children's church, wherever it was, I wouldn't read because it was embarrassing. At school, I did my stuff, and when I thought I'd have to read, I didn't turn up at that class. You know, that was just a way of getting through. So no one sort of knew too much. But uh, then God touched me, and God touched me at 17, and, and stuttering went. I was at the youth camp. I don't know whether they believed in miracles even, but God was there, and God can do what he wants to do. And so it was good then. I could read more. I could do better speaking. But then when God asked me to be a pastor, I said, There's not, that's not going to happen, God. That's just not going to happen. I'll do this. I made, a, I made all my, my list out of what I could do for God. I'd make money for him. I'd pay for that. I'd do evangelism. But pastoring, that's not going to happen until I'm in a men's camp and God speaks and says, I want you to give the farm away. So you won't be making money. So what am I going to be doing? You're going to follow me and build this church. You see, to walk with God, you might say, well, will he tell me to leave my business? No, he won't. You see, God God individually works with us. God individually knows exactly your pathway. He wants to walk with you. And, and I had to negotiate through that because it's a pathway. And then I got excited about it. I thought, this church has grown fast. That's exciting. But then you've got to finish the race. Finish the race. It was great when everyone was getting saved and everyone was excited. Then some people weren't excited. Then I thought, pastoring does suck. Who wants to be a pastor? That's uh, like this pastoring stuff. You would think everyone would like me, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, they didn't like me. Some people don't like you, you know. Some people don't like what you do. And sometimes it's because you do silly things. They don't like and other things. It's just the way it is in life. Hello? And sometimes you just want to react the way that the reaction world is going. Hello? And so when there's anger against you, you want to go, well, that's their problem. But you see, I find this in life, if you can come with the opposite spirit. God wants the opposite spirit inside of us because this journey is so important. And if Abraham had missed the journey somewhere, (laughs) God's... I'm not saying God wouldn't have been able to do his plan. I'm just saying God's plan would have been diverted again, as it has been many times, because people didn't walk the pathway. 
And here we find Abraham. Abraham's on his journey, finds himself down in the, in the promised places that God's put him, uh, growing in wealth, growing in influence, but kind of a baby. I want to speak to you about a few things. I don't want to so much tell the story of Abraham this morning because most of you would know the story. If not, please read it from Genesis 12 right through to the end of Genesis. You'll really love it. No, he dies in about Genesis 26. So, But don't stop there. There's still great stuff to read. Hello? You with me? <laughs> so here we find Abraham. And, 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 and God's word goes out before him. And God's promise. I love it because God comes and, and meets with him in chapter 12. And, and there's three things I want to just say here before I give you a couple of points. Is the first thing about Abraham, he knew about God was that God would, God would come to him uh, in, 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 in his powerful ways to uh, speak to him because he found first in the journey you need to encounter God. The promise has got to come. The vision. Without a vision... Imagine Abraham, he goes, oh, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He's, no, he says, I know the vision. I'm building for a future, for a city, for a people, for a family that's going to impact the entire world throughout this history. I don't know how he would have thought of that. Um, but you see, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, imagine the disciple says, well, what's that look like? We only know a synagogue that's in Jerusalem or, or around, you know, Israel. Um, what would that like? What would that look like? The church. Imagine that they couldn't have pictured the church and seen the power of the church. Imagine they couldn't have released the power for you and I today to live and release and work in the, the ministry and, and the victories of the church. See, there's got to come a picture. God, God gives a vision, vision, vision. Then secondly, uh, we find that Abraham actually heard from God for refreshing. I, I've, I've met countless pastors, a friend of mine, who have got tired in the ministry. And I go, have you never been refreshed? They go, oh, we're going to holidays. I said, I didn't ask you if you had a holiday. I said, oh, have you been refreshed? Abraham didn't have a holiday to get refreshed. He just recognized when God come by. Your marriage needs refreshing. You need to recognize when God comes by. But if you're too busy complaining about the opposite mate of yours, you probably won't see God come by. Hello? See, if you're in, 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 in ministry, I see people that get tired in ministry and they go, oh, I just need a spell. You don't need a spell. You need an encounter, a refreshing for the church to multiply, for life to be successful, for us to overcome. It's the encounter, the moments. Abraham's had a dream and God comes in the dream and speaks to him. Abraham's sitting under the tree and, and three men come and speak to him. He sacrifices. Then, they come, then God comes again. I mean, again and again. And, and I wonder how often God's come to me. I'd never recognized it. But Abraham said, those three men, they have to be from God. Other people would have said, what do you think you're doing here? <laughs> See, it's recognizing the voice of God. It's recognizing the moments of refreshing. It's been open to the great Holy Spirit. And Abraham so sought God, run after God. He was able to recognize the voice of God. You can't go a few days without the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. 
and fellowshipping, the Word of God and fellowshipping Him because He wants to encourage us on this great journey of life. Because <laughs> I find it so easy for us to be going along and thinking, I'm all in this alone. Oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. I love it with Paul in the book of Acts. Paul said, we're going to go down here to Macedonia. We're going to go somewhere else. And the Spirit came and said, no, don't go there. Then the Spirit came again and said, don't go there. And sometimes we think these people are funny going, I feel like the Holy Ghost is restraining me. Boy, he's a bit mystical. No, he's probably just hearing God. And it's not like every time you have a meal or a drink, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost wants me to drink. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about direction. What you do with your brain is your responsibility. You've got to be a stewardship of your life and a steward of your life. But there is directions in life. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I said I would never go to Sydney. I said I wouldn't be a pastor and I did that. I said I'd never go to Sydney. I, never, I don't say I'll never go anywhere now because I don't even want God to think I don't want to go there in case he sends me there. <laughs> I remember I said, I don't want to do this. And one day I felt like God speak to me about orange. I said, oh, that'd be great, God, because I didn't want to go to orange because orange is so cold. I just thought I couldn't go to orange. But I said, God, that'd be great. So I went out and had a look. And I said, God, this is awesome. And in my heart I'm saying, please, Jesus, you know, this is cold. It was cold, you know. It was cold. Um, and then we went back out again to have a look. And I remember being there. And we had a little meeting in the house just with a few people we'd met. We met them because they'd come to Tari, to the revival in Tari, and gone back to their own cities. And when they heard we were there, we'd met up with them. And they became the home that we then started the church out of. God's, God's phenomenal how he can work for you. See, if you don't encounter him, you miss the opportunities. I remember after that meeting, we looked out the back and they said, there's a fire. Somebody's got a fire going. And there was all these smelly things coming out of this fire. And I go, and they said, oh, that's the witches out there. Quick, shut the door. I said, oh, now I'll go over and see them. <laughs> so I go into the fence. I said, all right, guys, how you going, girls? And they go, oh, do you know who we are? I said, well, does it matter? My name's David. What was yours? They said, we're witches. We're cursing you here. I said, we're Christians and we're blessing you here. And I've come over to have a prayer meeting with you, so blessing will come and not cursing. And they go, no, if you come over here. So I climbed over the fence. I said, here we are. Let's start. I said, can you understand that language? They go, no, we're not. We're getting out of here. I said, no, you can stay. Stay in the prayer meeting. Stay. So I grabbed one guy. I said, no, stay here, mate. Stay here. So I keep praying over him. He said, get off me. Whatever you're doing, me, can't let me go. And I said, I better let him go. He'll probably I'd get arrested for assault or something. You know, like... They took off. We never saw those witches again because greater is he. Come on, greater is he. Greater is he. When you're on the journey of life, it's an exciting journey. It's not some, oh, I can't have a baby. My wife's, you know, that's the challenge. How are we going to break through? How are we going to overcome? What is my conversation? What is my declaration? What is my believing? What am I seeing? Hello, are you with me this morning? And Abraham, in a phenomenal way, was able to see the men coming, able to see in a vision. In one of his visions, God takes him outside and says, Abraham, I want you to see how big this deal is. I want you to look up. How many stars are in the sky? Can you count them? And Abraham says, God, you know, realistically, realistically, if and I guessed, there's nothing. 
I couldn't guess. It's just phenomenal, just remarkable. It's just way beyond. And then he says, look down there at the, at the sand and the sand under your feet on those hills there. It's very sandy. He said, how many grains of sand? Impossible to count. He said, there'll be more than that of people across the earth because I'm going to bless you. And Abraham goes, God, that's awesome. But the challenge to me, I know I'm getting excited about it. I can think I can see it. But the, the challenge, my wife, my wife kind of a baby. And, and everyone goes, he made a mistake. Friend, you will make mistakes through life. It's not whether you stay in your mistake. It's whether you'll turn from your mistake and turn back to God. Amen. We make mistakes. And some people are then absolutely killed by the mistake. Can't move on because of the mistake. Hey, friend, there is a gracious God. Not he overlooks your mistake. He has the power to, if you confess your sin, to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all. All. Come on, all. That's our God. He is faithful. If you'll humble your heart and seek him and come after him, he can walk with you. And Abraham made his little mistakes too. <laughs> David made his mistakes. I'm not talking about me. I've made mine too. So mine weren't theirs and theirs weren't mine. You know? So we make our mistakes. And, you know, we look at him and say, thank God that wasn't mine. But, you know, he'd probably look at me and say, thank God I didn't make a mistake. Dave McDonald opened my big mouth up and doing some silly things. You know, mistakes happen. Come on, we're Christians. We're believers. We're the sons. We're believing Abraham because we believe because Jesus Christ came through the seed of Abraham and he alone is the king of kings. He rules in our kingdom. <laughs> what a mighty God we serve on this great journey of life. And sometimes you've got to get rid of that phone because it takes you the wrong way. But the word of God never takes you the wrong way. It's steadfast. It's sure. And so, you know, it says in Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says, My word will go out and it will not return void because it has power to accomplish that which it was meant to do. The word of God. You see, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. But this is an impossible situation. No, I want to say it again. This word is going out and it has power to accomplish that which is committed to do. The Word of God in your heart has power, has amazing power. The Word of God in your life. The Word of God given to you. And, you know, as a pastor, I, I, um, I went out pastoring because God said I would. And so I said, okay, God, this is the deal. I remember getting off my tractor because I was so distressed about having to follow Christ and follow Him that way. I remember getting off my tractor and said, okay, God, if your church is only 30 in three years, I'm out of here. Now, I understand all of the thing. What a terrible sinner. That's one of bad David, David's bad days. I was. It was a bad day. But I, and then God said, well, what do you want? I said, God, if I'm going to give my life, I'd like to see thousands upon thousands of people change for Jesus, change for you. Give me the privilege. Give me the anointing. Give me the ability. God, I know I'm not got the ability, but give me the ability. I pray for the ability to preach so people will be saved, to preach so lives will be changed, to preach. Give me the ability to run a church where there will never be a powerlessness in it. There will always be power to bring change in hearts and bring change in lives where the great Holy Ghost will bring the Word every day to change lives. I grew up in a powerless church. 
we love God. We always love God, but, you know, no power to overcome, no power to have victory. We'd hear a good sermon and go home and criticise it. <laughs> That's how much power we had. And I pray God no one ever does that in this church. But, you know, but we're, we're powerless. We're powerless to do that. We had no power to do, no power to overcome. And Pentecost Sunday was the worst Sunday for me because we'd preach about the great Holy Ghost and read stories about how there was an invisitation. Then the preacher would always finish up by saying those miracles went out with the apostles. And, boy, I would be so angry when I got home. I just wanted to kick the cat and the dog and everyone else. And they're like, I used to think, how can God give those guys such a great church? And we got such a boring one. And how could those guys have so much power over demons? Our demons are just controlling our lives. I knew all that. I knew it. But we had no power. No power. See, I, I want to give you just a couple of points to finish off with this morning. First of all, if we're going to see the power of God, we must honour the Word of God. Honour it. See, honour brings power. Honour. It's not just the Word of God. This is just not the Bible. This is the written Word of God, but it can be spoken into our hearts. See, the power is not just it's written. The power it is can be spoken in my life. And Abraham didn't have what we've got today to follow and God just spoke to him, and he had that written word that became the living word. It became the compass. It became the, the place. And the Bible says in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to my feet, but it's a light to my path. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the bush. And, um, and if you went walking in the bush at night without light, it's impossible. Just crazy. And I've done that a few times. You just, you'd go hunting and... The light would go out and you're trying to find your way out and everywhere you walk, a stick pokes in here and, you know, you're off this track and it's just impossible. You know, and sticks, you, 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 I mean, you can't see, so you might as well close your eyes, but you close your eyes in case a stick pokes, you know, it just can't see. But the Bible says in life so often people are like that. They're anxious. They can't see a way out. They're angry. And they can't see a way out. They're depressed and there's no hope for me. They want a suicide. Such is the depression of life. See, but God's word is a lamp to our feet. We must honor that word. That word can do mighty things, it says in Hebrews. That word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide the soul, that which is messed up from the spirit, that which is pure. Come on, friend. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than two-edged sword. It's a lamp to my feet. I can look down and see there's a pathway there. <laughs> There's nothing worse. Uh, uh, I, this is a funny story. I shouldn't bother wasting time telling But When I was first saved, we were praying because we had 10 crusades and, and we were a little spiritual those days, probably a bit over-spiritual. You know? And we felt like we're on, we're on a property where the convicts were taken from, from down in Sydney up to, um, up to Port Macquarie. Uh, and uh, so we thought we'd better make sure those spirits of death and that were cast out. <laughs> and so we're praying there at 2 o'clock in the morning, I think. We got the revelation and was praying there. I'm not sure why we're praying at 2 o'clock and not no, 5 o'clock and we could see. But I remember we were praying. We are just about finished praying. <laughs> and the preacher guy was with us, was praying, and he was shouting. Next minute he just disappeared. We had not much light. And I remember trying to strike a match and everyone else said, where did, where did Trevor Scott, where did he go? And we heard a voice from down in the bed. I'm down here. 
you know, even preachers can fall. Hello? <laughs> and, and, you know, no one helped him up because we couldn't stop laughing. We just laughed. We just laughed. No one helped this poor guy up. You know, he's a New Zealander. Nothing against New Zealand, but, you know, like, maybe that was the problem. I don't know, but, you know, I remember he got up, and, and then I thought, I'd better go and help him. And I didn't realize he fell straight down. I thought it was sort of a slide. Next minute, I'm down on top of him to make it worse. <laughs> now there's noise. Hey, get us out of here. Anyhow, that's got nothing to do with my story. Anyhow, so the Word of God's a lamp to your feet. But tragically, tragically, that was a natural thing. But tragically in the Spirit, you know, God wants to direct you in marriage. He wants to direct us at the workplace. Hey, friend, we'll come back and honor the Word of God. To honor it, we must read it. To honor it, we must meditate in it. And Abraham meditated. I love the story of Isaac when he was getting a wife. It says he sent out 10 camels. I don't know what you've sent out to get what God wants for you, but you've got to send something out, hello? And he sent him out with jewelry and sent him out with goods and food and clothing because Abraham wanted to know when this wife came home, she wanted, he wanted to know that she was coming to a blessed place. And then when, when, when she was coming back, um, Isaac was in the field. What was he doing? Meditating. Meditating. The Bible says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. He's not there getting condemned by the law. He's not there getting put down by the law. He's meditating on God's goodness and power that comes through the word of God. Said so he'll overcome the world, the flesh, the devil. Often we can beat demons out here, but we don't ever put on the armor to beat them in here. So we still continue to communicate or build relationships the same. But God says, I've got power for you to overcome. Because when we honor the word, the word has power to set us free in Jesus' name. Second thing, thing we must declare the word of God. Declare it. Declare it. This is what it says of, of, um, in, in Job. Job, of course, was the first book written. Uh, it's recorded in there genealogically. So Job writes, you shall decree a thing. And it shall be established. Decree. What is the decree? Declare it. God said it. God spoke it. I remember when God spoke me to go from Tari to Sydney. I said, not Sydney, God. I, I, we've had a deal about Tari and I've got through all that. We're blessed. Not Sydney. Where else would you like me to go? You know, when God's, God never argues with you foolishly. Hello? You ever notice when God goes quiet, you realize that you're off track in your argument. Hello? So come back on track. I said, well, okay, if I go to Sydney, how will I know? And I remember this as clear as then. God said, I will bless you. Now, Sydney was a different deal those days because um, somebody had gone down and planted, but in the chaos of change, they came out of there leaving behind a massive debt and hadn't even finalized the loan or or, or the legal side of it. And so it was up in the air. We could have lost a million dollars without a building. And that doesn't sound much today, but in those days it was a lot. Plus it was a 17% interest, so it was, it was a fairly big deal. I said, God, how will I know? And God said, I'll bless you. I said, in what way will you bless me? And you go, gee, you're asking a lot of questions. Well, I, I, I want to know. If it's a big commitment, you want to know. I want to know that God's worthy. Will he be with me in the finances? He'll be with that. 
you know, I got there in October and it was February and we still didn't have a loan, we still didn't have a legal setup. I went and saw the guy every day, every week, I mean. He said, you don't have to come. He said, I trust you, young man. I said, well, thanks for that, sir, but <laughs> um, maybe I don't trust me as that much, you know. Like, and, and I remember in February, I said, God, well, I'm going to fast. This is not the break God's put his arm behind your back. I said, I'm going to fast till this comes through because obviously something's wrong in me and I need to break the yokes and loosen the bands. Hello, how desperate are you to get through your situations? I fasted till the 26th of February. Um, and, and, and on the 26th of February, it was a Friday, two banks rang me. Two banks. And I said, neither of your deals are good enough. If you put them both together, we'd have more than enough. <laughs> and they didn't think that was funny. And um, so we had to go back to the drawing board. I mean, but God, we had a breakthrough. God begins the breakthrough. God begins the breakthrough. And I mean, through that time, you say, what were you doing? I wasn't fasting every day. I was fasting, but I wasn't just fasting. I was declaring, God, you said you'd bless me. God, you said we'd bless me. Sometimes it'd be 2 o'clock in the morning. And Trish said, are you ever coming to bed? I said, no, I don't know if I can afford to go to bed because I'm not sure I can keep guard over my soul. I'm not sure if I can keep my mind away from the negativity. I'm not sure that the devil can't attack me. I'm not sure if I've got a hedge up stronger. Hello, friends. Sometimes we've got to be desperate enough to go beyond that. And Abraham had a problem. He's called to be the father of a nation, but he hasn't got the ability to produce seed. And so God comes to him and said, it's going to happen in the next year. And Sarah hears him from the tent, from the tent and she starts to laugh. God said, what are you laughing for? Have you ever been shocked? Instead of going, wow, you go, <laughs> I'm a shocker at that. I just... If I get nervous, I always laugh, and that has brought me into a lot of trouble, especially in the army. I mean, when this old Psalm age is yelling at you, and, and everyone else is going, and I go, just, it's just that nervous laugh. You know, I, I've tried to beat it, but that, that little demon hasn't left me. You know, like it's just been a trouble to me, troublesome little fella. And, uh, and just laugh. She laughed. And God said, what are you laughing? He said, I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm freaked out. I'm nervous, you know. <laughs> And he comes back again, and he says, you will. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, and Sarah received strength to conceive and fulfill the promise of God to all the nations of the world. Hey, this journey is not always just a free-running journey. We must believe, honor the word. Number two, declare it. And I'll finish on number three, and I'm not going to preach on it. We must fellowship the word. Jesus said this, if you abide in me, John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, we must fellowship the word. The word, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's word. See, we're not just talking about the written word. We don't just fellowship the written word. We fellowship the living word, the word that's alive to us, the word that's spoken to us. My word is not your word. Your word will come to you. But if you don't know the written word, you probably won't ever really get powerful rhema words. Because how can God speak? You won't even know if it's God. See, read the word of God. Hunger for the word of God. I'm glad that I, when God said, I'll bless you, I'll bless you in Sydney. And I remember when we got the financial thing, everyone said, are you happy now? I said, no, I'm not. 
I'm thankful, but I'm not happy. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm praising God for it. But I'm not happy until we see hundreds upon hundreds of people. I didn't come here to pay off a building. I come here to win people to Jesus Christ. And I remember then saying, God, okay, okay, you're blessing me there. But give me souls this Sunday. So I told the church, we're going to get three people saved this Sunday. And then when you get to Sunday, you said, why did I do that stupid? Why didn't I just be quiet? Everyone ever make a confession and then you're out in the limb and everyone's judging you. No one's believing you. They're just sitting there going, oh, yeah, look at David, see what it is. I remember preaching. I thought, there's no one here unsaved. God, God, you've got to help me. Just, God, help me. Please help me. Don't. And I remember I came to the end of the service and two people walked into the back, made the altar call, and they put their hand up to give their life to Jesus Christ. I said, there's two people here who give their life to Christ. You could see the church going, well, where's the third? And there was a little Sri Lankan lady, kid, little kid. She was probably five years old. She had the biggest brown eyes, and she'd always look up with the biggest smile. And she said, she walked out the front, and I said, what did you want, sweetie? She said, to give my life to Jesus. I said, there's three. And you can see everyone go, oh, that kid, she's been in church. She must be a Christian. And I go, to the unbelievers, you won't celebrate. But to the believers, who will celebrate with me? Three people did. And then another three. And then a guy up to 50 press celebrating with me. I said, three people have come to Christ because Jesus cares for the lost. That was the lowest amount we ever got saved for the next two years. Because God loves people coming to him. He loves people coming to him. His word Honor his word, fellowship his word, walk with his word. You know, in the fellowshipping of the word is where we hear the fresh word, the fresh rhema of Christ. We do it because the Holy Spirit has power to come in. We don't just fellowship the word, we fellowship the great Holy Spirit, who's the inspirer of the word of God. If the musicians can come, I just need you up there to finish off with me. If you can do that, that'd be great. Thank you. See, we fellowship. And if we abide in him and his word abides in us, you will ask what you want. Now, the key of this is if you're fellowshipping the Word and the Word's fellowshipping you, you don't ask for stupid stuff. Come on. You ask to outwork the purposes of God in your life. You're not asking for a big house when you've got one. You're not asking for a new Mercedes just because, and you've got one only a year old because that's not what God's saying. I'm not saying you can't get it. I'm just saying that don't expect God to just drive that into your car park. But what do you need? What do you need to be able to win your marriage? What do you need to be able to win at work? What do you need? If you're fellowshipping him, he'll start to show you. He'll start to reveal to you. The anointing opens up to you. The Word of God. Now you take the Word of God, you declare it, fellowship. And I've always seen the breakthrough. The breakthrough comes. The miracles aren't always physical. Some of the greatest miracles have been set free from anger or bitterness or strife <laughs> or mediocrity. I hate it when mediocrity comes. A foolish Galatians. Who could take you off course when you've seen the life of the Spirit? Will you not stay on the course? As a closing day, I want to pray for people not because I think that you need that. I, I want to pray with you because it's so important in the church for revival to come that we find the power of God to overcome. Amen. We know the power of the Spirit to overcome. We know the Word of God to overcome, to walk through in our hearts and in our lives. I know in the ministry at times I thought, oh, God, we need this. 
You go aside for a day and fellowship the Word and fellowship the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God comes and you find the victory and walk through. I know when Tim was away from God, and it's hard to believe now with his passion for Christ. But I remember, I just remember the days that I walked and the nights I walked out in the bush and believed God for him. Down in Sydney, it was down underneath my house. I dug out under my house, just walked there, walked there. And then up here in Brisbane, I walked through the golf course over at Carindale. Some nights, you know, and then the security came around and said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm praying. Is that all right? He said, praying? I said, yeah, I'm praying. He said, can't you find another place to play, pray? Oh, I said, if you don't like me praying here, that's all right. Oh, no, no, that's all right, that's all right, mate. Praying. I said, if you don't you pray? He said, oh, oh, now and then I'll help how you hang out. Hey, God, I need help. He said, what are you praying for? I said, I'm desperate to see my family walk for Jesus Christ. I'm desperate to see a church turn to God. I'm desperate to see your, your family and your life come to Jesus Christ. I said, he loves you. He said, are you trying to get me converted? I said, well, I'm not trying. But if you'd opened your heart, you can be saved. He said, you sound like my mother. I said, well, if she's praying for you earnestly, you should just quit and get saved right now. Because those little mamas, they've got some power, amen. They've got some power, those mums, eh? <laughs> Mine prayed me in. And, and Tim's prayed, Tim's mum prayed him in. You know, as we believe God, believe God to overcome victory, wherever you are, right across this auditorium, first I ask, if today you've not encountered Christ and don't know him as Lord and Saviour, there's a moment here that you can say, yes, David, it's me. I want to give my life to Christ. Just lifting your hand would be very important so we can see who you are and we'd like to meet you after and say good day to you, but more importantly, to help you on the journey of knowing Christ. Secondly, uh, for need, not for needs in your life, but for advancement in your life as well. I thought the Holy Ghost said, for advancement in your family, in your home, in your work, for advancement in the Word of God. I want to pray for a new anointing, a new anointing to be on your life. The anointing is what teaches. The anointing is what works with us. So as you bow your heads right across this place, I'm asking if you've not made a decision for Christ, if you say, David, that's me, just quickly slip your hand up so I can see who it is. You give your life to Christ. Just go ahead. Do it right now. Say, yes, David, I want to know Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ. Wherever you are, do it right now. Slip it up. Say, David, it's me. You might want to come back. You've made slip back to him, God, and you want to come back to know him and re-encounter him. I want to help you this morning. Is there somebody like that? If I am not seeing you, um, somebody will see your hand. We want to pray for you. Secondly, if you say, David, would you pray with me this morning? Because I want to advance. I want to advance in family. I want to advance in areas. Uh, I know there's areas that, that God has strengthened me in. And I want to stand with this morning agreeing. Just slip your hand straight away. Just straight up, straight up, straight up, straight up. Right across here. Right across here. It's not a matter of counting hands. It's a matter of Jesus seeing the agreement we're going to come with. The agreement. I'm coming into agreement with you. I'm coming into agreement against principalities. I'm coming into an agreement against just the weakness of flesh. I'm coming into agreement that Jesus will invade you. Right now, great Holy Spirit, by the power and the anointing invested in our lives together, let that great power of the Spirit sweep across here, sweep across this church, sweep across these people, sweep across their homes and families. Oh, Holy Ghost, with great power, you're touching right now. You're moving now. You're moving in their homes. You're moving in their lives. 
Oh, Holy Ghost, speak to hearts. Speak to minds. Speak to hearts. Speak to lives. I ask it this morning. Oh, let the power of the Holy Ghost break every yoke, loosen every band. Wonderful Holy Spirit. Somebody in their home, whatever's happening there, God said, keep pushing through. The breakthrough is just in front of you. Push through this morning. For that person, I pray for them. I release the power of God. For somebody here in physical sickness, right now there's a breakthrough coming. I curse that infirmity that's leaving. Oh, somebody worship him. He's in this place to touch you, to heal you. Somebody's back has been healed. You've had pain. You've had pain. You've had pain. But as you move around, the power of the Holy Ghost and the presence of Jesus is here to heal. Set free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bless that home. Bless that home. That husband and wife. Oh, God, move on them. I ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone that believes said. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.